Good evening, welcome to another episode of the Three on Three podcast. Tonight we're joined by, in an overtime edition, Stephen Dixon, former Cardiff Devil, Glasgow player, stroke player coach. Evening, Dicko, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You're welcome. We'll try to talk a little bit about your career and stuff. Obviously, done a few things over, over the years, uh, besides playing, obviously, in the UK. One thing just to get out of the way, you mentioned uh, to myself a few months ago, you're looking forward to having a winter at home with your folks and stuff. You had a 20 odd years of traveling to Europe and other places and not being at home. How's that been working out for you? Oh, it's been great. Uh, yeah, you know, I, coming through the ranks in Canada, you, you move away for junior at, uh, I just turned 16 when I moved away. Uh, obviously you spend the, the off seasons at home, but, um, yeah, it's kind of been, well, besides COVID, it's kind of been the, the first, uh, first time in my life, you know, this time of year to be home and, no, it's been fun. It's been good, uh, good to be around family, friends, and and uh, you know, back in Halifax. Absolutely. Also, you got to play, of course, at, at home, and you played at Cape Breton for a while. Had a good junior career. You went on to play for the Canadian junior teams. You probably get bored of being asked these questions with the Canadian junior teams because you know what's coming. But I can't ask you. <laughs> no, that's fine. You, yeah, know, yeah. you look at that under twenty team, and there's probably more. Cup winners on that team than probably any other team you probably would ever play for ever in your life. You play with Crosby, Carter, Getzlaff, Fenef, Talbot, Richards, Fleury, ridiculous names. Seabrook, literally, guys that have just been sort of stellar players for years and years. Just how is it playing on a, a roster like that? And you must pinch yourself to this day to know that you played as teammates with guys that have been playing for like 10, 15 years in the NHL. Yeah, looking back, you know, now when uh, you're done playing and, you know, something uh, something to be proud of and, and being able to, to crack that team. Uh, you know, for me, I think a lot of it came uh, came up through the under-18 program and, and we uh, we won a world championship in, in Yaroslavl, Russia um, at the under-18 level. And, and uh, there's, you know, quite a few guys from that team that, we kind of went through the program together and, and uh, you know, we're able to win a, a gold medal with the under twenties, but uh, yeah, you look at that roster now and it's uh, a lot of Stanley cups, you know, you're looking at uh, hall of fame players. So it's, uh, you know, and a testament to those guys, they're all, all great guys. Um, you know, the way they do it here, you're throughout your junior, uh, the season you'll, you'll go, you know, you'll have a summer camp and then you'll leave around Christmas time and go to the, the Christmas tryouts. And it was just such a, such a great group of guys. It was something to, you know, we all look forward to, to getting together throughout the season. And, uh, um, you know, unfortunately we lost, uh, my first year in Helsinki, we lost, uh, to the U S I think it was by one goal. Um, so going into that next year, obviously with the team we had, uh, you know, guys were, were chomping at the bit to, to, you know, get, uh, to get the gold medal for, for Canada, I think it was a little while um, since the, the country won one. So, yeah, just being part of the whole experience and, and you know, getting to play with those guys and, and uh, you know, just a, a special honour. You know, I think it means – never really thought about it before, but it means more when you're done playing and looking looking back on things for sure. So, you, um, you, you spend – We'll talk briefly about your, your AHL time. Um, two seasons at Wilkes Bar, Scranton, and, and Portland for, for the third year. But ask the one question: You ended up being teammates with a couple of guys who ended up well known for be, having a podcast in business yeah, and Whitney. <laughs> for a lot of hockey fans who listen to that podcast, what are they? What were they like as, as guys back in the day? Yeah, it was, it was really you know it's funny looking back, uh, especially the team we had in Wilkesbury. We had some. You know, we had some real characters there. Uh, you know, Biz Nasty, Bissonette, uh, Ryan Whitney was there. Colby Armstrong was there. He's uh, kind of getting in with the Chicklets guys now. They have their own uh, the Game Notes podcast, and he, he does a lot of things on TV here in Canada. So, yeah, it was uh, you know there was never a, never a dull moment uh, down in Wilkesbury. That's for sure. But 
you know, it's like a lot of the hockey guys. They were all great guys. Um, yeah, me and Bissonette lived together with another guy, Dan Carcillo. So it was, uh, yeah, we had an entertaining bunch together. And then, you know, coming in, we had a lot of rookies my first year. I think we had 12 young guys. So even the older guys, we had uh, Elaine Nazardine. He went on, to, you know, he's coaching in the NHL. Uh, Dennis Bond, he was a veteran guy. I think he's the head pro scout in Boston. Chris Kelleher's a, got a management job in Minnesota right now. So all these older guys, they were great to us, kind of, you know, showed us the ropes, kind of kept us in check a little bit because, you know, we were, you know, at that age you can run a little wild, but, you know, they treated us great. And, uh, yeah, just being around those guys, and it's, it's so good now to see the success they're having, uh, you know, Bissonette and Whitney. They got the podcast going. They got the, the Pink Whitney, the beer, and, you know, Biz is on uh, TNT here in North America, which is a, you know, big, uh, you know, they have the TNT, the basketball, they have Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley. And, I mean, you look on the TV and Biz is up there with uh, Wayne Gretzky. They cover the hockey. So it's it's pretty cool to see that and the success that he's had. Uh, one thing about, uh, you know, those guys, especially, you know, Biz still chat with them here and there. You know, he's never changed as a guy. He's uh same old biz. He's always got the same energy. So, you know, everyone, uh, everyone that played with those guys are happy, happy to see them be su- uh, so successful. I'll say two things. First of all, that household sounded very quiet. I can imagine. Um, yeah, and no. also, if you ever wanted either side of the spectrum of the game of hockey, and all respective is in it at one end and Gretzky at the other end, it's uh, that's it's it. Definitely there. So you had three years. And he's, uh, you know what? He's turned into a great personality for hockey because he. You know, he says he doesn't mind saying what he thinks. And, he, he, you know, he's very knowledgeable of the game. The big thing with Biz, you know, I know he pokes a lot of fun to himself. But, you know, he, he grew up playing Team Canada under 18 and stuff and World Junior Camps. Like, he was close on those teams, you know, as a player, as a defenseman. Uh, I remember going into Pittsburgh camp. He almost made the team as a, I think it was an 18 or 19-year-old playing hockey. So, he... uh you know, he knows the game and, and, you know, he speaks his mind well. He's got a good voice uh, for the game right now. Sometimes that's what you need, just someone, at least with a, back to a bit of knowledge. That's it. You, you may say three years in AHL. How, in your opinion, how close are you to getting that call up to, to the show? Yeah, I mean, you never know, right? Uh, you know, some people, uh, you know, years go by, they say, oh, you were close. But, I mean, you never know, right? You never know. And, uh, you know, my last year in I'd say probably the close would have been my last year in in uh, Portland, and you know had uh, a great coach there, Kevin Deneen. He, uh, you know, he treated me treated me really well. And, you know, in spurts of the year, I was having uh, you know a pretty good year. So you just never know. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. After the season, I got qualified uh, a qualifying offer from Anaheim too. So you're thinking, you know, uh, what have you stuck around a couple more years, this and that, but. You know, I don't regret my decision moving to uh, to Europe at an early age like I did. You know, you, you never know. You, you might not get those opportunities later. Uh, it was a little different back then with, you know, not so many imports in those leagues. So, uh, yeah, I don't regret the, the decision going over. But, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, you never know how close you are. It's uh, You don't get too much info, at, you know, at that age. So, it's, who knows? <laughs> And worded perfectly on to the next question about your move to Europe. Um, obviously, spells in, in Sweden, Finland, Russia and Germany. Scott, we'll, we'll talk more about the, the Russian side of it. Um, but we'll go from, from the off. Four very varied countries. You know, how, how different was the hockey cultures acro- across the board there? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, going to Sweden, the... the you know, I didn't know much about European hockey. And, and to be honest, I didn't, I never really thought, uh, I thought I'd be one of those guys stick around North America till later in my career and go over. And, you know, I got an offer in Sweden and it got me thinking, uh, geez, you know what, maybe I should go try it for a year and then try to come back. You know, when you're younger, it's always in your head, oh, I'll do a year and then come back. But I, uh, you know, it's just, I was just blown away in all the countries. I was in Europe with the, the fan bases, how passionate it is, uh, you know, compared to North American hockey, especially the American league. I mean, there were some 
some you know good fan bases, but you know back then some some games you'd be playing on a Sunday in a huge rink and there'd be you know five hundred fans. It seemed like there wasn't one person in the stands, and uh, you know when I went to Sweden, they take their hockey so serious. Uh, fan bases are so passionate, and you know I remember one of the first things uh, just how well the teams take care of you in Europe. Uh, I remember getting off the plane and and uh, it's like oh here's your here are your car keys, your host keys, your cell phone. You, you know, here's the the bank you're set up with. So it was it was a lot. Uh, they made life really easy for you. I found uh, in terms of the hockey, you know, Swedish hockey. When I first came over, it was it was all puck control. You know, you didn't have a play at the blue line. It was you know throw the puck back, circle back, reattack. Um, and that changed quite a bit actually over the years. I, I ended up going back to Sweden. Probably it was probably about five, six, seven years later, and the game totally changed. It was up and down. Guys were flying around. You know, it was maybe a little bit older of a league when I first went over, and you know that was one thing I noticed when I went back. I just said, "Oh, Jesus, you know, this has definitely changed. You know, <laughs> this league might not be for me anymore." But <laughs> and it, I didn't last too long that season there. But uh, I really enjoyed the hockey in Finland. Finland was. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, I was able to win a championship there. And, but my early first couple of years, uh, you know, I was getting really good ice time and, and, you know, you're being productive. And it's one of those things whenever you're you're feeling good and, and uh, playing good, you know, things, everything seems to, to be a little bit better. So um, I enjoyed the game there. It's a little more physical, I think, than, uh, you know, the other Scandinavian countries kind of you know, help my game a, a little bit more than, uh, than maybe in Sweden. Um, then we had, yeah, Germany, uh, Germany as well. Germany's, you know, there's a lot of North American guys there. It's, it's very, uh, you know, North American style game. They treat you very well. I, I really like Germany and, and, uh, Russia, you know, Russia's, Russia's Russia. And, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of one-on-one skill, uh, you know the skill level is, is definitely very high. It's maybe it's not as many uh, systems per se, but they really defend well, which is one thing you wouldn't think. But they they really emphasize defense, like in a team structure. So, uh, you know, it was tough uh, tough lead to, you know, when we weren't really on the top 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 teams. One year in Yaroslav, but you know, just kind of a I'm not going to say a disparity, but I mean you're you're playing St. Petersburg and there's a little bit of gap there in the, in the pace payrolls. Right. And it's, it's, uh, you know, some, some games you're just trying to, trying to keep your head above water, but in terms of living there, I had no problems. I, I didn't mind it, uh, mind it at all. You, you mentioned you won a championship in Finland with uh, one of the powerhouses of European hockey in the uh, Tapara, um, in the, the old barn, um, not, yeah, not, not yeah. the current of the Nokia room. I've, I've actually been inside, thankfully, when during the world we got to have a sneak peek inside. That looked a, a cracking place to play. Um, what did you think to Tampa? Me and John being for the, the World Championships a couple of years back and uh, we loved it. What was what was your thoughts to, to the city? Yeah, I loved it. I uh, And, you know, I made a lot of great friends outside the outside the rink, you know, just in uh, normal everyday day life that I still keep in contact and, uh, you know, the Finnish people were great, and especially uh, your teammates. You know, they really made you feel part of the team. And, and uh, I mean, that's just a hockey crazy town. You know, they have two pro teams there, and both are supported equally as well. It's it's, it's just crazy. You know, you're, the rink's jammed every night, whether Ilvis is playing or, or uh, Tapra. It was, it was a weird thing because we were both playing out of the same rink. Um and if it was an Ilvis home game, you actually felt like you were on the road. You know, we were blue. They were green. The whole rink would be green. You know, everyone's yelling at you. So it was, it was definitely uh, a different feeling being in your own rink and getting booed. But um, in terms of hockey, you know, that city, that's a – I think of hockey cities, you know, I think of Tampere, just the players they produce, Barkov, Line, so many older players and – and younger players coming up. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not. The boys tell me they, they play in like a inline hockey league in the summer. A lot of the the pro guys or ex-pro guys. And some of the games, I mean, the fans will go 
jam the rink to watch that. They're, they're just very hockey, uh, hockey crazy there. You know, everyone plays hockey. Uh, they got a real good development system with their kids coming through, you know, in the Tapper organization or Elvis. And yeah, they just continue to produce good players and, you know, passionate fan bases like that. And yeah, that was a great memory there. Uh, being able to win something there. And you mentioned his name. One of the questions I got, you, you, um, John mentioned the under 20s team, but then obviously you were teammates with a, a young Patrick Lane. Um, what was he like? Um, they said obviously named recent, recent years of the draft. What, what was he like as a player and as a person? Geez, he had, I think he's got one of the best shots I've ever seen. I, I still think he, you know, one of these years he's going to, you know, I, I think he might've had a 40. I can't remember. He might've had 40 already, but you know, I think, you know, when he gets that shot going, it's, he gets in a groove, you know, it's unlimited. I think how many goals he can score, but yeah, he was a young guy with us at the time. And, uh, you know, he was our best player, which was, which was funny. And, you know, I said that before he'd be, uh, he was MVP of the playoffs that year. I think he was a 17 year old. Then he went to the world championships was MVP of that, which is crazy. Uh, you know, going into, that was going into his draft year, but no, he was a quiet guy. Uh, you know, just just a nice guy, good, good teammate with us, and uh, we used to laugh. You know, be in playoffs, and he'd be picking up the pucks, and he's you know one of the main reasons we end up winning the championship. But you know, just a guy like that, he was he was very humble, I thought, and and treated treat us all good. Great stuff. Couple more more questions um, for me, anyway. Um, which league in, in your from your experiences, which was the more fun to play? In? Uh, you know what I. There's good memories from all of them. Um, you know, definitely for me, the the uh, being in the UK was uh, a great experience for me um, personally, and and you know the the fan base in in Cardiff and Glasgow, Germany was great. You know, they all Finland was was great as well. You know, they all have their their pluses and minuses, and you know, I think for me going to you know going into Cardiff kind of. I don't know how to say it. it kind of gave me a little more, maybe the passion back for the game. I'd say, you know, I went, uh, I went my first year, did my school and, and I got there and really started to love playing again. And I think that's probably why I ended up playing a few more years. So it was, you know, looking at that experience, uh, something that sticks out. And and in terms of sort of the European leagues and the mainland European, who were the, the, the better players you remember and the toughest ones that you played against, the, the ones that stand out? In terms of toughness or, or just uh, both? anything? It's funny. You, I think I remember more guys when they're when they're younger. I remember uh, when I was in Pori, Barkov was in uh, Tapper. I, I think he was only 16 or 17. I remember being like, Guys, who who's this guy? Like, I can't I can't win a face off off this guy. Like, this guy's strong. They're like, oh, that's Barkov. He was like sixteen or seventeen at the time. Certain guys like that you see play, and and uh, you know you you just know. I remember uh, Michael Grandland stuck out in Finland for me. Is a very skilled guy, and I mean, I'm sure I'm missing a, a ton of guys. William Nylander. Uh, I think he was so young, he had a cage on. He scored a hat trick against us. I'm pretty sure. So you know, when when you see young guys like that doing doing things like that at such a young age against you know grown men in, in some pretty good leagues, it's you kind of know they're they're special players. So yeah, it would be guys like that, Nylander, things like that that stick out. Stephen, I want to talk to you about your move to Russia. You were second in your team in Sweden, so I presume there was a, a few offers on the table, but you chose Russia, the KHL, and it was a league that was really developing. Not many imports, uh, North Americans at all. Uh, you end up in a team, Amur Kerbera. If I have butchered that, I apologize. How, yeah. how, how does the move to Russia come about? Yes. Yeah, I didn't really know too much about Russia, to be honest, but it was, it was just starting to, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, you hear a lot more about it in Sweden and Finland. And guys were saying, geez, oh, you know, it'd be nice to get to Russia, get to Russia. And in Habarovsk, actually, the the captain of the team when I went there, David Ling, uh, you probably, you might, you guys we remember know him, him well. from Nottingham. Yes, yes we yeah. know him well. So Linger's, uh, Linger's from PEI. So we have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, 
we became good buddies, but before that we knew each other, knew a lot of the same people. So, uh, when I got the offer there, having him there as the captain was really, you know, he's basically from home for me. So it was nice having an older guy like that as the captain. So it really made the decision easier. And, uh, yeah, I think people thought I was kind of crazy at the time because there wasn't so many people going over, but I don't know. It's just kind of the way I've always been. If, you know, just, yeah, you know what? I'm going to try that. So I, I just ended up signing, went over. And you know what? I, I, I enjoyed my time there in, in Habarovsk. It, uh, it's funny. There's a, a kid from Halifax now, Cam Lee, who's playing there. This is his second year and he just signed a two more year extension, but he called me before. I said, you'd be shocked once you get over there, how nice the city is. You know, they they haven't really had so much success. You know, it's hard to get – I think it's hard to get a lot of maybe the top-end Russian guys all the way out to the Far East. But the fan base, it's sold out every game. It's just a very unique city. I really enjoyed my time there. And it was – you know, I'm glad I did it uh, looking back. But at the time, it was – you know, it was a big change. Even just to get there, it was – you know, you're looking at – over a day of travel right so it's uh, someone told me i don't know if it's true that the the flight from habarovs to moscow is the same distance as moscow to my hometown halifax like we were flying the time zones it was about i think it was seven or eight time zones so we'd fly to moscow to play a game and we we were so jet lagged all the time it was crazy and uh you know they ended up changing the the schedule where you, you play four games at home, four on the road, which would make things a little easier. But we'd fly to Moscow, play maybe one or two games, fly back, play a couple games, and just felt like we lived on a plane. But you know what? When you're young, you're just enjoying the experience and soaking it all in. So, uh, yeah, it was just kind of shot in the wind, and I ended up doing it. And, and uh, yeah, you know, looking back, it's a, it's a great experience. Taught well. We, I was very surprised to see David Ling and yourself together because you can say you know someone within two names, but David Ling was such a character in this league uh, and a, a member of the most successful Nottingham Panthers team ever, really, in a, in a long, long time. He, he absolutely ripped up this league, but he, he was a bit of a character. How did he control himself in Russia? Oh, he's probably the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was... There was uh... Linger's linger. There's no, uh, you know, there's no change in linger. He's, uh, the thing about him is, he, you know, he jokes around a lot, and, but he's very competitive, like super competitive, super, uh, intense. Like I've never seen a guy love scoring goals like linger. You know, he loves it. And, you know, he's back from that old school era too, where, you know, he doesn't mind dropping the gloves or he doesn't mind carving you up with a stick either. So it's, he was kind of those guys. I never played against him, which, which I'm. I think I'm happy about because he'd be a guy you'd be kind of nervous to play against, right? Where anything could happen, and I mean, he's a guy who can hurt you on the score sheet and, and uh, physically as well. So, uh, yeah, he's a uh, he's definitely. Uh, it, it's funny. I got buddies over there. He still plays in the, you know, in the in the beer league skates and everything. That, the boys yeah. say he's just the boys say he just still loves scoring goals. Like he's it's just in him, right? He just loves hockey and uh I was over in a golf tournament actually we were, this summer we were on the same team and he's just one of those guys he just still keeps himself in good shape. He's still skating all the time. It's you know, hockey's just part of him. Certainly is he's a I mean as fans of opposition teams, it, it was a love hate relationship with him because uh, the Nottingham were flying that year and but he was quite a joy to watch, unfortunately. Um, you you went back to Finland and then you ended up back in the KHL with uh, Locomotive. And it wasn't long after the, the disaster happened. What was it like going into an organisation that had just been through such a tragedy? And yeah, I mean, you went back the following year for a little bit as well. Yeah, it was. Um, you know what? It was. It was pretty pretty sad. Uh, you know, I remember the first game there. And, you know, before every game, they'd have the the tribute to the, you know, the players who passed away, and I, I just remember it was, you know, looking in the stands because it Yaroslavl, you know that 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 was a big. It's still it is, you know, that's like the, 
it'd be, it'd be like a team like the Montreal Canadiens in the NHL. It's a very famous team. It's a big club. You know, they had, you know, the top teams. So it was, uh, and it, you know, it's a, the hockey community there is very small. So everyone knows everyone. And, you know, when they're doing the tribute and you're looking in the stands and, you know, you're seeing everyone, uh, you know, tearing up, that kind of hit me then. And I know a lot of the people that worked around the rink had, uh, you know, their their kids were working as, you know, equipment guys and trainers. So they were, you know, sadly on the plane. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of, you know, it was just, it was, it was uh, just eye-opening. And, and it was uh, one of those things, too, where, where I think getting the hockey team back really helped the community as well, you know, brought everyone back together. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, a sad experience, but all at the same time, I think it was a, you know, a really good one to go over and, and be part of, uh, part of Yaros level. Yeah, definitely. Sport takes you away from everything for a couple of hours, doesn't it? Um, just one yeah, more for me on exactly. Europe. Um, I've actually been to Wolfsburg to watch a game. Um, it's a, it's a cool little rink there. It's like a rink on steroids, I'd call it. Um, and the Dow is a, gr- a great league to play in and watch. It seemed like there was a real connections with the fans. Yeah, especially in, in Wolfsburg, it was, uh, you know, Wolfsburg, in terms of the city-wise, it was, you know, maybe not the biggest. A lot, You know, the the Volkswagen plant was there, so yeah. was, a lot of people were coming in to work during the week, but the week was always busy around town. On the weekends, everyone would go home. So it was, you know, there, there wasn't a ton of people there full-time, but we had a great fan base. Um, you know, that was shocking to me, too. I always, you know, the Dell was always a big league for, for Canadian guys. There, are, there seemed to always be a connection there and throughout the years and blown away how the, how popular ice hockey was there. And the, you know, the money that was behind it and the way they, you know, they, they just had very big sponsors. Like our team was sponsored by Volkswagen. That was, I think they probably own the team. And then, you know, you got all these big companies owning the teams. And I know for us, they own, the football team and us and the basketball team. And we were all in the same little complex. Yeah. You know, it was very, very cool, uh, very cool experience. And yeah, it's a, it's a real fun league to play and they treat you very well there. But yeah, like I said, I was, I was blown away at the fans. What they get in, in the Dells. It's uh it's pretty wild. Yeah. We, it's a conversation that we've been having over the last few, few months, really that the, the Dow kind of play on the Friday, Sunday, and it's a, uh... It's a conversation that keeps coming up with the elite league, and I don't think it will ever happen. Well, the, but we'll, we'll... Yeah, the Fridays, the Friday Sunday is really good. You know, it's uh, especially with the amount of travel from team. To, you know, say you have a home game, a road game, and just having that extra day to to recover, I think makes the makes the brand of hockey a little bit better. Guys are a little more rested. You know, you get to take care of yourself because. You know, speaking to other sports and you tell them you play back-to-back games, they're like, are you guys th- – that's insane. It's like, yeah, this is just kind of the way we way we came through, right? It's, but, you know, the amount of – I guess not punishment, but, the, you know, there's a lot of strain on your body and travel. That extra little day in between, I think, can re- – you know, Finland was like that too. I think we play Thursday, Saturday. Uh, so you'd have a little gap. But it's hard to say because there's – you know, you got to compete with other sports as well. And, you know, it's kind of what the, when the fans can get in the rink. So that's all part of it. Absolutely. I think from a fan's perspective, that's what I suppose dictates things in the UK. Um, it's not like a other parts of Europe where, you know, maybe could get the, the time off. Um, being you've been all around Europe, obviously, as we just discussed with the boys, eventually you made your way to the UK and to Cardiff. As you mentioned, that's where your kind of passion kind of came back for the game. Um, the one that I'd say about you, unlike a lot of players have kind of come before and after, you felt, well, as a fan, I felt you were born to play for the Devils. You fit in right away. Um, you just kind of got where it meant to be a Devil. Why do you think you fitted in so well? Because from like day one, you just got it. And I think the fans loved you for that because you just had a big smile on your face. You always went out every game and you just played for the shirt from day one and the fans do notice that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure, you know, I, you know, as soon as I got, uh, got the card up and started playing, um, you know, I was my whole time there from, 
from you know the day one to the the last day that you know the the support the fans gave me was always incredible uh, in the organization and the players just one of those things where you know hockey's a strange game you, you you some places you go it just seems like a fit it just seems like you're uh you know not not meant to play but kind of you know meant to play there and and even you know your line mates and teammates you start forming chemistry with them everything just seems to click so yeah, Cardiff was definitely that place for me, and and uh, like I said, got treated so well by the fans and and uh, the organization, and uh, yeah, just just kind of brought that uh, brought that passion back, and probably why why I end up playing playing a few more years and and uh, just enjoying my time again. So it was, uh, you know, definitely one of the best moves I made. And do you think maybe part of the reason why you stayed on for a few more years was the way things kind of worked out? Um, infamously, there was that 11-point lead um, in your first year going into the new year. Um, and Belfast, they're very kind to remind us all now for the last three or four <laughs> years, you know, what happened that season and they won every league since, including COVID. Um, that must have been a stinger. <laughs> Trust me, it's not yeah, been... Yeah, uh, sure it was... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely. I think our team that first year, you know, we had we had such a good team, and uh, you know, for that to happen, it's. But you know, that's that's the way hockey is, and in the, you know, the season's a grind. It's a long year, and you know, there was uh, a lot of good teams, and you know, one thing I remember from that year was the the games we did play Belfast. Like those were some some really good games. That was. I mean, the amount of physicality was almost like roller derby. But you know what? It was clean hockey, too. There was no nothing too crazy. But there was a – I just remember a lot of hits. Like, you were sore after those games. They had a big, heavy team, and so did we. So it was it was some good hockey. But, yeah, letting that slip, uh, you know, that's one you'd, you'd love to have back. And, and uh, you know, I think I, I think winning the playoffs that year was, was pretty uh, – you know, it was, it was – good for us to get rewarded for for the year we had and, and being able to hold one trophy i think it would have been a shame if we 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 didn't get a trophy that year so it was nice to at least come up with that absolutely i remember there was like an event and uh lovis with the event on the monday and it was kind of an anticlimax after losing that game in coventry and everyone's just on the floor and calman kind of stood up and did a speech and everyone's like yeah wherever and then it just kind of felt after that, like you said, you guys, you know, you had that kind of desire to not leave on such a, a bad note because some of the guys obviously may not be back the following season. You made sure you did get revenge beating Belfast in the playoffs and became a bit of a theme for those couple of seasons, didn't it? Cardiff against Belfast in terms of one, two for the league and same for the playoffs. And yeah. obviously going, going into the second season, I'm sure the desire was there to kind of put that right. And it looked all good. Um, for most of that season. I remember I was over in Detroit with my daughter and uh, Cardiff played Sheffield in the league on the Friday just before the Challenge Cup. Yeah. I think from I think from memory, I think he scored maybe two goals that night as well. At that point, everyone thought, yeah, right, I okay. we won that one. Yeah, that was and the that more important one. was kind one. of the big game because there wasn't many games left, was there? Exactly, exactly. I think maybe five games left and yeah. whilst it's good to win the trophy, it just felt like after the frustration of the year before, the league was a big, you know what the league's like in the UK. It, Oh, rightly exactly, wrongly yeah. we you know we, as fans you want to win that league and they all look good and i think belfast was sitting back in like fifth or something which yeah. is they, they conveniently you know forget that now <laughs> <laughs> obviously the season as we all know and why it, it ended the way it did and i think we're the only league in europe that didn't award the trophy to the top team in the league at the time Again, that must have been another stinger for yourself. You, that's two years running now. You expected to be a league champion, and through various reasons, it's taken away from you. They must have stung again. Yeah, that was. Uh, but I mean, it's so out of that's so out of your control, right? It's it's, uh, it's different than you know losing. You know, when you're losing Coventry and losing championships. Like okay, but when you know when when what happened with the with the COVID and everything, it's, it's so out of your control. There's not much you can do anyway. So it was, but I mean, obviously the, you know, we were, we were definitely trending in the right direction and, uh, you know, we had a, a great group of guys again that year, a great team and would have been, uh, would have been nice to pull that one out and, and, uh, and win the league, but 
you know, that's that's just the way it is. And, you know, that, even the way the league's set up, I know at the before, you know, for a lot of North American guys, before you go there, it's, you're thinking, that, geez, this is weird, you know. But when you get there, it's it's kind of not, not a bad thing, I don't think. And especially for the fans where every game's important throughout the regular season. Um, and as players, it can be, you know, a grind on the players. You get into, you know, November and it's like a must-win weekend. You know, we got to win the games. You're thinking, oh, it's only November. But it's kind of nice to have that added pressure. makes every game important throughout the whole season. And instead of going on a little run, you can peter off and teams uh, more just build up for a playoff run. So definitely makes it makes the whole season more interesting, I think. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, a lot of guys don't get that. And you lose a yeah. game in know, September to five or Dundee, they'll bite you in the arse in March or April potentially. So you've got to be dialed in every night. And I think when guys yeah. have played here for at least a season, they kind of get that mindset. But it must be yeah, rather... it takes you a little bit to clue into what's going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when like, fans are kicking off and slagging you off after one game or two games, you're like, what's going on, guys? It's like, you know, game two or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and you hate me. We're, you know, <laughs> October, November. You you know, usually <laughs> at home, you're not kind of gearing up to, towards after Christmas to get ready for the playoffs. But <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but I, I do like the way it's set up. The more I got used to it, I, I was like, yeah, this makes sense, actually. Yeah, for sure. When that season obviously did obviously end, and we didn't, any of us know it was going to be the way it was. Uh, obviously, as you said, COVID hit, and it meant that the world was on, on hold, effectively. Where were you at in terms of your life at the time? Did you then sort of wonder whether you, you were done, or did you sort of want to just sort of see what, how it how it ended up? Because... Again, there's guys that maybe had to retire around that time that didn't intend to retire um, and unfinished business, I've heard have said a few times as well. At that point, did you know you're going to come back and play regardless or did you get tempted to step away from the game at that point? Uh, you know what? I still thought I had a l- like, would like to play a little longer. I know I, I, I did my school my first year in Cardiff, finished it my second Um and I was kind of, in a, you know, it's kind of a weird in-between, you know. That was the thing with COVID, too. We, so many players ended up retiring and, and maybe would have maybe played another one or two. Uh, and I was home, and it was funny. I was skating probably four days a week, three, four days a week, just with my buddies here all through throughout COVID. We uh, strained the rink was open here, so we were – I was skating all the time, and I was—I remember being out. I said, "Geez, you know what? I'm, I feel pretty good. I, like, I don't feel like I need to stop yet." And uh, yeah, I wasn't really, to be honest. Though I wasn't really, I wasn't really making any like forcing too much. I said, "You know what? If if Todd and the boys call, I'll, uh, you know, I'll probably go back, and and uh, if not, I'll." You know, just figure figure something out. But you know, I was thankful. Uh, Todd called one day, just kind of, "Hey, where you're at?" More just a chat, and I just kind of said, "You know what? I'd I'd be interested to come back. Still think I have some left." And and it was Scaldy at the time. Call we had a chat, and yeah, that was that. So I was I was uh, you know excited to get get another year uh, another year back in Cardiff because I mean you never know how it's going to play out after something like that or. You know, every year you, you get a little older as well, a year off. Most guys played. I didn't play. So you never know how that would affect, uh, affect everyone. But, no, I'm thankful those guys called and, and uh, brought me back for another one. Yeah, you mentioned Scott. I was going to bring that point up, actually, as well. Uh, Andrew Lord was a coach for a long time. Um, pretty much, you know, he was he was the face of the Devils. And he worked 24-7. The Scaldi whatever you call it, um, experiment didn't work out um, to the point whereby he was obviously let go before the season ended and very unlike Cardiff. Without, I suppose, saying the wrong thing, how do you find playing under him? Do you think he was maybe not the right fit for Cardiff at the time and they were right to get rid of him? Or what's your thoughts on, well, on you, him? You know what? He, you know, coming in uh, as an older guy, Scaldi was, was great to me. Uh, you know, gave me the, the chance to play again and, you know, Kind of came in as an assistant captain, so a little bit more, uh, more of that uh, responsibility, and and 
to be honest, he was, you know, when I ended up doing the, the player coach in Glasgow, he was, he was always great to send a message. Hey, what do you, you know, what do you need? So no, he's been, uh, he's been great to me. You know, I, uh, I got along great with them. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough, it's tough almost rebuilding a whole team. Uh, you know, you see that in a lot of places and, and, uh, you know, with Lordo, we, we had, uh, you know, there was such a, uh, it seemed like every year you only really had to fill one or two holes, right? I remember my first year, I think it was me, Linglet, hadn't come in, but I mean, you're basically getting all the, the core guy, Marty and, and, uh, you know, the Hedaz, all the guys are, are in place and, uh, you know, it's always tough to to rebuild that that whole nucleus, basically, right? Uh, so I think everything kind of has a part, uh, and uh, you know, expectations are always high. And, and uh, but I can just speak, you know, for me with Scalde, was uh, you know, he always treated me uh, treated me very well. So that's good to hear. The one thing which I think surprised everybody was when they gave the job to Dupont. Um, a because he was brought in as a top line centre, and I know injuries stopped his season being the what it was expected. And then to pay him as a coach right as the season was ending, that must be a bit of a weird experience for you guys as players. When 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 the guys like an injured teammate, and next thing he's taking over the the coaching of the team, um, did that help? Do you think sort of galvanise you guys to sort of finish the season on a high because you again missed out on those previous two league titles going into the playoffs that year? It must have been a kind of a weird situation you found yourselves in at the time, but yet to be fair, you got yourselves composed and you actually won the playoffs that year. How will that kind of feel when you're in amongst all that kind of chaos at the time? Yeah, I think uh, you know for dupes, you know when you sometimes when you step in like that, it's uh, you know we kind of had that experience in Glasgow, but you're you're uh, you know you're in the dressing room with the guys that you know. You kind of you know them. You're, you know, you're at the team parties before and all that. You see, so you get to know everybody on a, on a personal level. Um, so yeah, when Dupes came in, uh, I mean, when stuff like that happens, there's not much you can control. Dupes came in. Uh, you know, I think guys felt uh, comfortable with them, and uh, came in and and it felt like kind of a you know, you go into the playoffs like, hey, we got to you know, anytime that something happens with the coach, I mean, it's, it's a, it's time for the players to kind of look in the mirror as well. And it's like, all right, Hey, listen, we got to, you know, it's never good to be on a team when something happens with the coach. It's just not a, a good look for the players. That's the way I always thought. And, uh, you know, having something like that was more of a wake up call to the guys. I think, Hey, listen, we got to salvage something here. And, and, uh, you know, going into that playoff weekend and, you know, being able to, to pull that out. I mean, there was times it didn't look, didn't look the best and, and just getting the guys together and, and, uh, you know, being able to pull that out was happy for dupes, happy for everyone. It was, a uh, you know, it was a pretty special one to win that one. Yeah, looked it for from the outside, and um, for years Cardiff didn't win any playoffs, and then you just started to win them all, and it, it got a bit boring, if I'm honest, Stephen. So, um, <laughs> Glasgow, there was talk. Everyone talks on Twitter. They say, "Oh, Dixon's he's, he's retiring. That's it. He's off to he's off to play golf." And then um, <laughs> you rock up in Glasgow. How how did that move come about? You know what? It was uh, so the reason I went. Basically, was you know Malcolm Cameron was uh, he's a guy from here. Uh, you know, I've known him since I was a kid. Uh, you know, coming off that playoff win, you're just kind of thinking, "Geez, uh, this would be a nice kind of nice way to end it, right?" You know, like it's always when you get to to be a little older, but it goes through your you know you're headed after every year. But Jesus, be a nice way to end it, and so I'll take some time to to relax and then. You know, Malcolm started calling. Said, well, "Geez, why don't you come up with to Glasgow with me?" And I said, "You know what? You know, try the player coach. See if you like it. This and that." And I said, "Geez, you know what? Yeah, you know what? You know, I've always had a good relationship with Malcolm. So I, and uh, you know, people it was just just the way it was just a kind of a 
on the whim. I said, yeah, you know what? I'd like to try that with you, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of how it went. And, and uh, yeah, off to Glasgow. Malcolm, for us, for most fans in the league, he's a bizarre chap. Um, his interviews after the game caused a bit of a stir. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Is he like that in the dressing room or is it for show? Well, I, you know, he's a guy that I get, uh, you know, I get a kick out of him. I think he, he's a, he's a pretty funny guy. So he's, you know, you don't know what he's thinking when he's doing, doing his interviews. Like, you know, I, to be honest, I've never really seen too many of them. I used to hear about them, but he's definitely a character. And, uh, you know, the thing with Malcolm, I, I don't think, you know, I, I got to, was up there working with him and, you know, his passion for the game and the amount of he works at the game and his recruiting and, and the time he puts in, uh, you know, people see, people forget about that easily when you just look at interviews or you, you know, look at, uh, different things. But, you know, I just got a good chance to see, you know, his work ethic and, and, uh, you know, he's been doing it for a long time for a reason, right? So you, you coach that many years, there's a reason. So, um, for me, it was just a good experience just to see the, the work ethic he had and, and uh, what he put into it. Results weren't going the right way. There was no. um, <laughs> the whole, the whole we'll call it was, the shit show with the signing where it went, didn't go down well and yeah, whatever happened and Malcolm ends up leaving. From watching you play in your interviews and how you are now to watching an interview you, with you, after a game, one game, I said when we were doing recording, I went, Dixon looks sad. He, 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 his voice was, <laughs> he, he, I'm sorry to say it, but I said it. So I've got to tell you, you, just oh, yeah, looked, yeah, yeah. You, you looked like you just wanted to go home. What? I don't mean to be rude, but was I right? And because at some point I was just like, that's not who we expect. Well, we I, I think I can't remember how many we lost in a row. So I think it was pretty hard. To, yeah, it was pretty hard to get up there and smile in front of the camera. People would have thought I was nuts too. But uh, no, it was, you know, it's, and it's funny at the team, the team that was put together before I got up there, I said, you know what? I, I really liked the look of this team. Like I thought generally I thought we had a, a like a pretty pretty solid team, and it just seemed like everything went wrong. It was almost like we were cursed, honestly, from the beginning. <laughs> you know, we had injury troubles kicking in, and, you know, I got hurt. And, uh, you know, that lingered with me all season. still kind of bothers me. And, and just Laporte uh, got hurt. We had a lot of big guys get hurt at the time, and it was just – and, uh, you know, once, once uh, in all sport, you know, once the fan base kind of turns, obviously on the results. I mean, no one wants to come watch the team get beat every night. So, once the fan base starts turning, it's you know it's kind of hard to you got to change the tide. But you know it's hard to get the the boat back on the ship. But uh, I think for us, you know, we were so far down and out at the beginning. Just I'd say it was more bad luck than anything that. Uh, you know, obviously everyone has different goals, but, you know, for us to make playoffs that year, that was a huge thing for us to, just to get in. We were, you know, that was almost like, oh, my, you know, such a relief to get into playoffs was was actually really good, you know, good thing for the team, brought the guys together. So, yeah, to salvage that, it was, uh, you know, it was definitely, uh, definitely a wild one. <laughs> to be fair, Glasgow's a wicked city. It's one of my favorites in the country. And, when you went there, I thought, I can imagine you being there for a good little while, if I'm honest. I thought, you know, you're a party boy, Dicko, where everyone knows you're like, a, you know, the odd beer and a good time out. <laughs> and Glasgow is probably like born to, like, you know, to be like your kind of match. I was a little bit surprised that um, obviously you didn't last beyond the season. And there was a lot of talk as well of you coming back to Cardiff as an assistant coach. Now, you know what the rumor most like in sport? Um, sometimes just some random person makes up some random r- rumor and it becomes. Gospel, and I think a lot of Devils fans were excited to thought of you going back there in the summer. Is that something that was on the radar at all, or is it just some sort of hearsay that was just made up? And well, yeah, first Glasgow was awesome city, city wise. It's it's top notch. Like I, I was, uh, you know, I loved uh, I loved living there as a city. It's uh, 
I mean, you, you got to, there's a lot going on there. So it's, it's, it's a good place to live with the coaching, you know, me and Todd have always had a good relationship and, and the guys in Cardiff and, uh, you know, there was a few things we've talked about and, and, uh, coming off, coming out of Glasgow, but, uh, you know, like I said earlier, for me, it was, it was more about like, Hey, Dicko, what, you know, what are you up to? What are you inter- interested in type of thing? But, um, you know, for me, it was, uh, ultimately kind of made that de- decision, you know, to kind of step away from, from the hockey bit and, and, and come home and, and, uh, go from there. So, um, you know, it would have been something, you know, if I wanted to continue coaching, definitely Cardiff would have been, uh, a great spot for me to, to go in and as, uh, you know, as an assistant learn, learn, uh, how things work because it's, you know, coaching, uh, it's one thing player coaching, uh, being a player coach is almost, uh, you know, you're stepping in, you know, all the guys, it's almost, I think a little bit easier to jump in mid season as a player coach. Cause you know, the guys can come talk to you. Hey, if you want to do a bag skate, you're doing it with them. So I, no one can get upset when you're doing it with them and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot more to, to coaching than, uh, you know, just starting off like that. So it would have been definitely a great experience if I would have kept going down that path. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you're not recruiting that team. You've inherited the team. You've got what you've got, and you work with what you work with. I'm sure one day down the line, we might see Stephen Dixon back in the UK hockey scene that some guys, a big smile of yours, has been missed from the, the league for a little while. Scott, so got some questions in a second. We've got some people listen to the pod to uh, ask some questions. So, Scott's got a few that's written down, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, no worries. More questions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Stuart Kelly asked, the under 20 world championships have you got any i know you appreciate you're pretty young pretty well behaved back then i hope but got any little off ice stories that from the tournament itself with the lads uh you know what to be honest most of it was uh most of it was all business during the you gotta remember we're only young too so a lot of it was uh a lot of it was all business i remember i remember we we had uh, sutter as a coach so he uh you know, he he did a good job of keeping everybody, you know, we were away from the media. We were away from our families. We were in a hotel basically by ourselves. So we were almost in our own little bubble. And and it's funny, back then, there was no social media, right? There was no, no one had iPhones. So you didn't know what anyone was saying. We weren't reading the media. We were, you know, we were just in kind of our own team bubble. And he did a good job. You know, he kept the agents away. We would we would see our parents and stuff after the game. You know, you'd say hi to them, and then uh, yeah, that was kind of it. But uh, yeah, in terms of the, you know, there wasn't wasn't too anything too crazy. I remember we got our we got our rings that summer in Toronto. We got up and then we were able to you know let loose a little bit and have a party. But I remember after the game, we we went right from North Dakota. Uh, and we took we we were right on the bus and we were right up to Winnipeg. Um, and then guys were flying out at like, I think my flight was at like seven in the morning or something. So it was bang, bang, bang. There was, you know, wasn't, uh, wasn't as crazy as people think. Wow. Bang, bang, bang. That does sound like it was pretty crazy to be fair. Maybe that's <laughs> code word for, you know, I can't say too much and get the boys in trouble. No, 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 no. It was, no, we were just kind of, as soon as it was over, you pack up and we're, Busting up to Winnipeg, and then you're going back to your junior team. So it's, yeah, pretty crazy. Well, that makes sense to why so many of the guys had stellar careers and business as usual, as you said. Um, oh, I'm sure. No, I'm like, listen, it wasn't. Uh, you know, there were some characters. Everyone liked to have a good time. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, not the. I'm not making it uh, as square as it sounds, but. <laughs> <laughs> Jay Williams asked. You had a lot of good face-off guys, especially when you had. Yourself, Andrew Lord, Matt Myers. He said, "If there was a crucial face-off to be taken, who takes it?" Um, I think at the end, I think it was more dependent which side it was on. Yeah, if it was on left or the right. You know, if it was whichever side. Uh, and you know, who else was good. Lane Ulmer was a good face-off guy when I was there too. Uh, so yeah, if it was on the, you know, my strong side to be the left side, and then 
uh, Mizey's strong side would be over on, on the right side. It's funny after, uh, so yeah, it just depended on which side it was on. Maybe who was fresh. Maybe I'd take the left side one and Mizey would take the, who's ever on their backhand side, I would say. But I, Mizey and, and Omer, I remember the, they were the two guys that when we ended up on different teams playing against them. I, they were the hardest guys for me to go against. Strong. See, Both of them just strong. Lane Ulmer is not a name that I like um, purely because I think he scored about 27 goals in the Sky Dome. And I'm, I'm not lying. I said to John. I, I do remember you would tuck him in I, all the time. One day I said to John before the game, I said, Lane Ulmer hat trick tonight. And he laughed at me. And then uh, I think at the end of the second, I was looking at him going, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> it was Boxing Day. Boxing Day. So I thought I'd had a few beers. Scott's had a few more beers, and he scored three goals. And I was loving it, to be fair. Scott. It's, exactly... it's funny how that works sometimes. I remember my first year, it was like every game in Guildford, I scored a goal. And I don't know why. And then next year, it never happened. But it was just like, you get back in the ring, everyone's like, oh, Dicko, you got one today. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, maybe I do. And then something happens, you get a lucky one. It kind of turns into a little joke. But it, for some reason, once you – once that kind of clicks, you know, you definitely feel comfortable in different ranks. It's weird. What was your favorite rink to outside of playing at home? Uh, probably, probably Belfast. I, I feel like we had a lot of good games in Belfast. My first couple of years, every game we played there was important. And it was like, it was always a double header. Uh, it was always important games. So I think, I think that's probably, uh, probably the funnest I'd say. I didn't love the ice in Belfast, but in terms of the, you know, the atmosphere, some of the games, we had some pretty big rivalries there. It was it was fun to be a part of. There wasn't much atmosphere, to be fair. They would normally get beat by Cardiff in Belfast, to be fair, wouldn't they? So there wasn't much atmosphere apart from them swearing at the way fans and stuff. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the way John still hates Belfast. <laughs> Just one more question. Um, Charlotte Mills asked, and it's a perfect way to ask this. Hockey, are you completely done? Uh, you know what? For now, for now, I haven't. You know, I haven't been on the uh, haven't been on the ice since I did Batchy's testimonial, but I haven't been on the ice since. Uh, right now, as of now, I'm done. But you know, it's something something you never know. Like talking to guys that retire before, even if you get into something else, it seems like you always <laughs> you always find a way back. But you know, I've been enjoying my away time right now from it it's just you know you do it for a lot of years it's nice to have a little break but yeah i say never say never right you never know never know what is what is day-to-day life now for you to be honest now it's uh i kind of said to myself and take a little break and and uh you know i was doing some a little bit of traveling and stuff and and uh you know i'll start into the new year start looking uh looking into to Getting a job, getting this into something. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, right now, no, I'm just trying to. It's funny. You, you you lose that. You wake up every morning when you're playing ice hockey. You practice, so you're burning. You're burning calories, right? It's something you don't even think of. So for me, you know, a lot of days I just try to not stay in the routine, but get up, get into the gym, get a jog in, and you know there was a a few days or a few few. I don't know, maybe months, few, few weeks though, at least where you kind of get out of it. And it's like, okay, I gotta, you know, I'm done playing now. I gotta find other ways to keep moving. And so now it's been, been nice. So I've been, been enjoying myself. The thing is now you've covered the, the flow. You got the GQ haircut now looking rather <laughs> handsome. I can imagine, you know, you, you obviously get in good shape. I can imagine you being an agent, a hockey agent. I reckon I could see you or take it on biz for the old broadcasting role. You that know what? Big voice you got. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But uh, no, agent. That's always a you know, guys. Guys always enjoy that. I got some buddies that uh, you know went down that road and, and really enjoy it. But yeah, you never know. You never know. Who knows what'll happen? Like you say, those works bear guys were obviously just teammates of yours a couple of years ago. They've obviously known the right people. They've got themselves in broadcasting. Stephen yeah, Dixon. He's got the voice for it. He's got the looks for it. You know, maybe you know. <laughs> Let's just get set up on the checklist bandwagon and get yourself in like you know, TNT or something as well. Or TSM, whatever it's called over there. T- 
Steven, TNT, he's like some dynamite, isn't he, or some delivery company or whatever. TNT's the big one out of the States. Oh, okay, I guess. They got TNT, TSN, yeah, it's all. Yeah, I can imagine you and Weeksy do a little bit of a roundup on a Saturday night, you know? Weeksy on one sort of mic, you on the other mic. I reckon you could do it in a couple of years. You never know. I got my buddy. My buddy here used to, he uh, he worked in the in the thing for a while, so he he's been on me to. You know, he's a uh, more of a football basketball guy. He's like, we we should get on together, and just shoot the breeze, and do some stuff. We said, oh yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> You're born free. All these we'll stories, you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back in your other way. Thank you for coming on. You've been a pleasure to have on, and yeah, most no, of the time we have like me. half an hour chats, but we couldn't stop talking to you. You had so many stories and. It's been yeah, absolutely no, tremendous. No. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks again for coming on. I really yeah. appreciate it. Take yeah. care. Have a good one. Thanks, Stephen. See you, Stephen. Yeah, Bye, thanks a lot. See you later. See you, buddy.